Welcome to CPAC's Today in Politics. It's Tuesday, June 13th. I'm Julie Van Dusen. Here are the big political stories we're talking about today. Who will take over from David Johnson to delve into foreign interference? That's why, Mr. Speaker, we believe that the decision of Mr. Johnston to leave the special rapporteur's role gives all of us an opportunity to discuss what are the next steps in a public process. Justice Russell Brown retires, leaving the Supreme Court with a vacancy the Prime Minister must fill. Obviously, a decision that he took and beyond that um, will reflect on it. Um, look, the Supreme Court of Canada uh, is... Uh, a pillar of our democracy. It provides an incredibly uh, important function. And MPs consider whether a hybrid parliament should become permanent. I see both sides of this. I think some of it is unavoidable. They, you know, they're they're going to have to move with the times, just like everybody else. But um, I think their attention should be paid to what what's lost when MPs mail it in, so to speak. Joining us is Susan Delacourt, columnist for the Toronto Star. Good morning, Susan. Morning, Julie. So let's uh, start with the uh, never-ending foreign interference topic. And uh, the government seems to have basically thrown up its hands and said, you know, after you, Alphonse, uh, take it away to the opposition, uh, find someone, set the terms, let's go. So has anything happened yet? No, but it's interesting things probably will. I I called it in the, on the weekend, the you broke it, you buy it policy. Yes. The... <laughs> um, uh, telling the opposition now this is why you can't have nice things. Um, so you fix it. I was surprised uh, at the tone of Mr. Polyev's press conference and, and all the opposition leaders. It seems like right now, nobody can see this, but I'm crossing my fingers that they actually are going to have an adult conversation about this. And I'll be watching for that happening soon. I heard uh, Dominic LeBlanc talking Last night, I believe it was on Power and Politics, saying that he thought within days that they would get the ball rolling on this. So um, it may be not the David Johnson public hearings that we thought we were going to spend the summer doing, but it looks like something's going to get rolling soon. Well, um, I was reading in one of your columns, and of course, I've heard you say this, that uh, you thought the best approach may, uh, might be to have a panel of three people yeah. Uh, as opposed to one. Do you still feel that's a good idea? Yeah, if they can find three. <laughs> um, but but yeah, I think almost a multi-partisan or multi, because we're not going to find that everybody's used the term now, the magical unicorn person. Um, I was reading John Iveson's column today too. He talked to a retired judge who said this, you know, even hard to find a judge, you know, uh, a willing to take it on and be with absolutely no history of political involvement. It's not a crime in Canada to be involved with a political party mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. only when it comes to this. So, right. Um, so yeah, I think the best bet is, a is maybe a panel drawn by, from a list that the opposition comes up with and hope for the best that way. I think asking one person to do it is just too much, especially oh. considering the timeline. Exactly. So uh, I was at the press gallery dinner on uh, Saturday night and there were names flying around, not that they mean anything, but uh, so one of the names was Jason Kenney. One of the ones was Aaron O'Toole because he's leaving politics and, uh, you know, maybe he has some time on his hands and, and <laughs> people all look in people's background. A conservative suggested to me Murray Rankin, who's former NDP, who's out West, but 
everyone, every, everybody seems to say it all has to pass the pure Polyev test because, uh, you know, you can think that that's not a skeleton in your closet, but suddenly it's a big skeleton that uh, Pierre Polyev uh, points to and you thought you were an okay person and suddenly you're now really sketchy. So it, it has to kind of pass whatever Pierre Polyev is going to think is okay, no? Uh, yeah, which is, you know, raises some questions in itself. Does Pierre Polyev get a veto over this? And is that politicizing uh, the thing in the, the, the whole process too? You know, are, are, are we just trying to find something that's conservative friendly as opposed to liberal friendly? And mm -hmm. in which mm -hmm. case, you know, two wrongs don't make a right. But in a way, you don't want to put yourself out there and say, okay, I'll do it. Uh, and suddenly you're being pummeled, right? You're being pummeled and your whole career is blowing up in your face. Yeah, yeah. The Johnson, the Johnson effect. We've got a new syndrome now. In the yes, the Johnson effect. Yeah, yeah. Don't, make sure you didn't ski. Make sure you never voted. And make sure yeah. you don't know anybody. Like, That's in other right. words, you were brought up by wolves. If you were brought <laughs> up by wolves, you're in. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Feral children. <laughs> all right okay so let's wait for this wolf person forget the unicorn yeah. okay so moving on now here's a cautionary tale of when to go home and how your mother told you nothing ever good happens after midnight so <laughs> the supreme court justice russell brown has learned the hard way so what happened there well it seems uh he is i think to be fair we should say he's still protesting his innocence yeah but it looks like he was at a conference. Um, I guess there were drinks were had and yeah. some people put on video. They didn't put any, they didn't record any incident on video, but they recorded right. their reactions, as I take it. And right. that uh, things got a little aggressive between them. Um, again, right. I mean, uh, those two women say that he, he kind of came on to them and then the former Marine punched him out. It was yeah. not a good look. Not for a Supreme Court justice. No, no, no. no. But um, I think at the outset, he was willing to, you know, to knuckle down and uh, and go through it. But the process of the inquiry itself, he thought, would throw some shade on the Supreme Court. So better just to uh, bow out. And now there will be no inquiry. And, you know, the, the court goes on. It's going to be interesting today that Chief Justice is having his, uh, you know, before summer break press conference and Mr. Uh, Chief Justice Wagner is going to have to talk about this, about how the court goes on without or or what this did to the court. Right. But I'm sure they're all schooled in. Who knows? They might have he might have already hired navigator to know how to answer <laughs> the question. Right. Which is, you know, he did great work. I hope he has a great life. Like we can yeah. we can write the line. That, yes, we can yeah. write the line. So that means there's a there's an opening in the court, and uh, so people will be looking to see what happens there because it's a very important position. But um, the prime minister is not known to fill openings too quickly. Look at the Senate; a lot of openings there. But anyway, we'll be watching for that, right? Yeah, and we, we should, probably should say that uh, this isn't a Brett Kavanaugh moment or anything like that. In our um, prime ministers of all stripes have done a pretty good job electing Supreme Court justices that aren't um, overly political. Yeah. Our, our court is not, you know, some, there are some who say it is, there's the whole ju judicial activism thing, but this isn't a moment where 
Justin Trudeau is stacking the court or anything like that. That's that's not um, that. Thankfully, that's not the way we do things here in Canada. No, exactly. So um, let's move on to the hybrid parliament, because last night debate uh, MPs were debating in the House what has been going on there since the pandemic that you can, you know, vote from home. You can join a committee virtually um, and you don't always have to be sitting in your seat. The government seems to want to extend that. Uh, what are how's that going over? It's interesting. It's the debate that everybody's having in their own workplaces, you know, exactly. no matter what. And I was talking to a, a professor yesterday who says that even though the pandemic is mostly over, the, the halls are not filling up with the profs and the students as much as uh, everybody thought they would. So in many ways, this is a parallel discussion to what everybody's going on in in everybody's workplace. You know, because I'm a journalist, I see both sides of this. I really do like the idea that people who are sick, who are having family problems, that commute is a disincentive for so many people to go into mm-hmm. politics. Mm-hmm. Um, some MPs, I remember Nathan Cullen's journey. Oh my God, to go back to Skeena in BC. He was, he, that was his riding, right? Yeah, it was basically a day to get back. You just don't go back there for the weekend, right? That's, no. No. So, um, and you know, um, they, you know, people suffering with uh, uh, cancer or 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 other things going on in their lives, new mothers, new fathers, um, all of that. I I like the idea that the House of Commons is becoming a workplace that is, uh, you know, a little more friendly to people. But I think during the pandemic, we really saw what happens when MPs don't have a chance to meet at the back of the committee room over coffee, to run into each other in the hallways. We don't we don't want a parliament that's so polarized because everybody's just staying in their boxes and talking to people they know. It, it, whenever MPs stand up to say goodbye to parliament, they often talk about the best moments they had were the ones where they worked together with people on things mm-hmm. and got to know each other. So again it's a hybrid i i see both sides of this i think some of it is unavoidable they you know they're they're going to have to move with the times just like everybody else but um i think their sh- attention should be paid to what what's lost when mp's mail it in so to speak yeah i remember an mp telling me that um you know because you're on the hill so much and it's hard to go home all the time uh i remember he said i don't even have the authority when I go home, I'm like, I'm seen as an interloper by my kids. I can't even yeah. tell them to do the dishes. Like, who are you? Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that's just, if you want people to serve in democracy, isn't it better to give them a chance to go to their uh, kid's graduation or hold their mother's hand who's dying in bed because they, they have to race back to do a vote in their seats. Whereas yeah. if they could just press a button, they could say goodbye to their mother. You know, that's right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, so you, you the same argument, of course, is going on in the public service. You know, they did a survey, I guess it came out yesterday that said, you know, the majority of, of public servants, uh, they don't want to be at their desks every day. Does that make them lazy? No, I think people got used to a little bit of work life balance. I also think there's a danger where people work at home, they work too much, you know. Yeah, because uh-huh. it's an elastic band and there's no beginning or end. You're not leaving it in your car. There's no kind of, you know, sections to your life. This That's is your right. life, right? Yeah, yep, yeah. So, um, no, I, I definitely wouldn't call the work at home crowd lazy. Often it's just that 
a whole bunch of time, uh, practical time has been added to their day that they don't have to spend commuting or yes. um, all of that. So again, I it's good that the Commons is having this, this discussion. I suspect the hardliners on each side will not be happy, but I, I don't mind if they end up somewhere in the middle. Right. And that's probably that's probably what will happen. So we'll see. We'll see where that goes. But of course, I think it's the block and maybe the conservatives. I could be wrong on this, but basically saying we need accountability. Right. You have to be in your seats. But uh, they'll probably, you know, they'll probably come to some resolution. But it, it's it's a bit of pressure on them because whatever the House does is a, is a bit of a role model for, you know, yeah. The, yeah. for other businesses and stuff. So, yeah, yeah. Well, okay. I think we've uh, covered the waterfront until next time. And here's and us working from home at uh, here, here, and you know, <laughs> and wearing our pajamas and yeah. looking out at the rain, thinking, okay, we don't have to drive in that, not that's yet. Good. So that's good. <laughs> okay, have a great day, Susan. You, Julie. That's Susan Delacourt, political columnist for the Toronto Star. Now, with the signal that we're receiving from from the government. If there's a genuine interest in moving forward, it's now on the, in the, on the government's, it's the ball's in their court. Now, let's take a look at what political columnists, commentators, and editorialists are saying today. In the Toronto Star, Andrew Phillips argues the Liberals are finally doing the right thing on foreign interference. He writes, the Liberal government finally conceded that the best way forward on the issue of Chinese meddling in Canada is to call a public inquiry and at least try to get opposition buy-in on how it's set up. But they only came to the right conclusion after exhausting every other possibility. They tried everything except the right thing and dug themselves ever deeper into a hole of their own making. What could have been a manageable issue turned into a full-blown crisis. Now the government has at least outlined a way forward, but it's putting the onus on the opposition parties to come up with terms of reference and propose the name of an eminent person to lead it. In the Globe and Mail, André Picard argues the price of dithering in Canada is structural decay. He writes, there are disturbing parallels between the demise of 24 Sussex and the destruction by neglect of Canada's Medicare system. Canadian fiscal puritanism knows no bounds. For more than six decades, there has been virtually no substantial upgrades to 24 Sussex. It's now estimated it would cost somewhere between $34 million and $100 million to make the property livable and secure. We see a similar pattern of costly dithering with Medicare. There has been a stubborn resistance to making fundamental structural changes. Politicians have done nothing but fiddle around the edges for 60 plus years because they worry there is no public consensus on how to implement reform. Now the rebuilding has become urgent. Foundational health system reform is needed. And unlike an old house, we can't just tear down Medicare and start from scratch. Now, here's what's coming up on today's political agenda. The Prime Minister will chair the Cabinet meeting and attend question period. Deputy Prime Minister Christia Freeland will be in private meetings. The Right Honourable Richard Wagner, Chief Justice of Canada, will hold a news conference to update Canadians on the work of the Supreme Court of Canada and answer questions from journalists. NDP leader Jagmeet Singh will announce his party's Canada Pharmacare Act. He will also take part in question period. That's CPAC Today in Politics for Tuesday, June 13th. Tune into Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. I'm Julie Van Dusen. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.